You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Buckle up, everyone. It's time to get this show on the road. Time for Dave's Corner Garage, your Saturday morning joyride on Zoomer Radio. Okay, Al, hit it. Hey, welcome. It's Dave's Corner Garage. It's Saturday morning and we're ready to go out and roll. Uh, Today we're going to be joined by Trevor Hutchison, who is the VP of Crown. They're actually opening up again after the COVID-19 crisis. And we're going to talk about what business is like after COVID-19. We're going to be joined by John Bondar. John is the president of the Shannonville Motorsports Park, and they're actually opening up in June with motorcycle races, car races. And if you ever want to go out to the track, you can do some lapping out there. Uh, Get your car on the track and do a little hot shoeing around the uh, race course. John Carmichael, he's the CEO of Omvic. Actually, he's the registrar, and John is going to talk about what's called negative equity. You know what that is, Al? I do. It means like when you're in the ditch or underwater. Exactly. Your car's not worth what you owe against it, and you end up buying a second car, and you start paying off two cars with your payments. So well, that's a real issue, especially now when they're going into 84 months of payments. Wow, it's forever. It's forever. It's seven years. It's unbelievable. Uh, Anyways, okay. and we're giving away $200 worth of groceries, so we want you to go to davescornergarage.com, enter, and you can win $200 worth of groceries. We've been doing that all month. Every week we have a new winner, so we're looking for winner number three. Make sure that you do that, and you have a great chance of winning because the odds are better than the lottery. And with all that said, that will take us out, and we'll be back in a few minutes, and we're talking to Trevor Hutchison from Crown. I, I heard a complaint about you buying day-old bread to save money, Dave. Is that the case or what? Actually, I'm feeding the ducks. We have their pool in the backyard. The ducks come. All right, we better get the duck out of here. We'll be back with Trevor Hutchison right after this break. Welcome back. Uh, We have Trevor Hutchison on the phone. Good morning, Trevor. How are you? Good morning, David. Morning, Alan. Good morning. Now that the COVID-19, some of the restrictions have been removed, your stores are open again. Is that correct? That's right. As of uh, last Tuesday, most of our centres in Ontario opened. uh, In the Maritimes, we've been open. Uh, A number of our centres were already uh, open because they were doing uh, what was classified as repair work. Uh Uh, But now we we have only a small handful across the province that still aren't open. But we expect by next Monday that, that we'll be fully opened across the board. What about the U.S.? The same restrictions down there? Uh, It's a little bit different. Uh, For instance, in New York State, uh, we're open. In Pennsylvania, we're open. In Michigan, we are not open. Mm. Uh, They're having some different challenges there. And right now, there's still the restrictions of even being able to cross state lines. Um, So what we've done is we've reached out to our dealers to uh, work with them at providing uh, direction on what they're able to do and and to try to support them in in getting reopened because everybody seems to be having a, a little bit different challenge with it. Uh, but we we expect to be we won't be a hundred percent, but by the end of this month we expect to be ninety five percent reopened. Trevor, you know we've been open all along, being an essential business, the actual car repair business, and I can tell you it certainly presented some challenges. Okay you know, from how we have to treat the cars to how we have to treat the people. Maybe you want to 
you know, there's some people that still have quite a bit of trepidation about going out at all. But the ones that do want to come in, how are you handling it? Yeah, that that, that has been our number one uh, priority, Alan, in trying to get our shops uh, prepared for this because, uh, you know, with, without customers, we're not in a business. And so making sure that they feel comfortable is the absolute number one priority. So uh, we've been going through, like many stores people will go into and putting up um, you know, the, the plastic shields mm-hmm. so that when, when they deal with, with our front office staff or front desk within a shop, uh, that, that both our employees as well as the customers are protected. Uh, we put in sanitization stations for people's, uh, hands so that they don't have to touch anything or if they do, that there is, uh, sanitizer available for them. Um, we set up, we set up a thing where we will only take uh, customers by appointment now. And so the actual advantage of that is, is that we can really limit the amount of people that are in our shop. So keeping the physical distancing has actually uh, been one of the easiest things to do. We do things like putting keys in, in pouches so that they're not touched. Uh, our employees are wearing gloves and masks. So we've really been able to, to limit a lot of that part of it. And I can tell you just in the past week that the majority of our centers started receiving calls immediately. Many of them were just calling back to ones that had called or emailed in the last few weeks. And right now we're booking up appointments well into next week for people. So, so far the feedback's been very positive from consumers, but it has been a bit of a learning curve for us. Well, you have to understand since for the most part, a lot of people are still, you know, sitting home, they got lots of time on their hands. So, so what I found myself is, is that makes it actually easier because people do have time, you know, as you say, you're, you're able to maintain the social distancing by leaving time in between customers. Um, what I found too, though, is, you know, cause, because everybody has a cell phone now, is that people will drive up to the shop and then just call us and then we can talk right there without even them coming in. You've extended sure. the warranties on the, on the vehicles too, haven't you? Yeah, and I think that is directly tied into why we're seeing how our bookings have been is that uh, on our website, we posted almost nine weeks ago now that uh, customers that, that have a warranty that are due for their respray, that once the restrictions were lifted within the jurisdiction that they were in, that the customers would have 30 days to then get in to have their warranty extended. Mm-hmm. Uh, we expect that we may have to go beyond that, to be honest with you. Um, you know, now that we've been shut down in some areas for almost 10 weeks, um, you know, we've, we've literally got thousands of customers that have warranties to be updated. Uh, and realistically, we only have so many hours in a day and so many days in a week to process the vehicles and do it properly and safely. So that's what we're monitoring right now. But we certainly want to assure our customers uh, that they will be fully looked after. And if we have to go beyond the 30 days to update everybody, then that's exactly what we'll do. Trevor, am I wrong or, you know, because of the time of year right now, this isn't really a time of year where you would expect to see a lot of corrosion, would you? Uh, yeah, you probably are wrong. Alan. <laughs> <laughs> I've been talking to my wife, Trevor. <laughs> 
I don't talk to my own wife enough. I can't imagine talking to somebody else's. No, well, you know, you know what the challenge is right now is that it, we we come through a very interesting winter spring where we had periods where we had a lot of snow uh, and then we, we got really cold and then we got mild and then it dipped back again. And so mm-hmm. what happens at this time, time of year is that now the moisture content goes up and we're seeing all the impact and damage that the winter did from it. So we actually see, although things uh, start to corrode once the temperature warms up, uh, we see more of the impact of it when we get a vehicle up on the hoist and look at things, you know, like like brake lines and uh, a lot of the metal components underneath. So uh, that's the other thing that's creating this demand is that many more people are coming in going, realizing this is the best time of year to actually get their vehicle sprayed. It'll also make your summer a little a little busier. Where summer's a quiet period, you'll, you'll actually be doing the backlog. Well, I, I and I do think that's exactly what's going to happen, David. And, and Alan was talking about it is that that we really expect that this is going to take us. If we were ten weeks shut down, mm-hmm. it'll take us at least double that to maybe three times that just to try to deal with the backlog. Well, Trevor, you know it's it's great that you've established a protocol. Um, you know, in terms of dealing with customers, they can do it touchlessly. And, and I'm sure you disinfect the car somewhat before you give it back as well. Yeah, that, that's one of the, the big things we've been working on with our shops is, is coming up with a procedure for cleaning. Um, currently, Crown does not make a disinfectant, but it is something that we're looking at. The thing that, that people want to be really concerned about is, is that with good cleaning practices, much like we're being told to you know, wash our hands frequently and that is that if things are properly cleaned, we can do a lot to mitigate the damage. Uh, but we're not stopping there. We're actually looking at things as to could we produce our own sanitizer? Could we mm-hmm. produce a disinfectant that could be easily applied to further protect customers? So I'm hoping that we may have some updates on that in the not too distant future. And that's the way business is going to be done in the future, too, I'm sure. So I how do we so. get in touch with Crown? Uh, so probably the best way to get in touch with us is to go to our website at uh, crown.com. Uh, and from there, you can find all of our uh, current information as well as dealer contact information. Trevor, thank you so much. Have a great morning. Stay safe, gentlemen. I hope uh, you guys and your families are well. And uh, we look forward to a very safe summer. Oh, and Trevor, if there was something special you want me to tell your wife, just just email me, Okay. <laughs> we'll do Alan <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, we gotta take a quick break and we'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back and uh Al, you know what? I've got all kinds of emails from people asking questions, so I thought we would uh chat about it on the air and answer the questions. Well good idea because as you know, as everybody knows, we're doing this remotely we're not down at the studio and right. uh, email is the way to go so if you do have a question by all means uh com. you can send us any questions all right dave see okay. if you can stop me here's a question from the fellow who lives in barry mm-hmm. his name is fred and he's asking his mechanic said to him that he should audit his car i mean the car's in there for service all the time but he says the mechanic wants to go through the entire vehicle and give him a shopping list. What do you think about that? I think that's really nice of him that he's actually doing that because most likely 
the mechanic is looking at the vehicle, sees some big repairs coming up, but at the same time, you know, he's got a big heart and he's saying, you know what, this car, I see a little bit of rust. I see that it's maybe 10 years old or more. And who knows, it's got 150, 200 Ks. And so what he's saying is before I try to, you know, pitch the customer and sell him thousands of dollars worth of work, yep. we're, we're going to look at it and say, you know, let's check the car out. And then at that point, we can have a conversation and talk about, you know, how long you plan on keeping this car, uh, what my opinion is in terms of what its longevity may be or may not be. Um, a much way, a much fairer way of doing business, again, rather than just whacking the guy for thousands of dollars. And then, you know, because, Dave, you know, the question is going to come up. How long do you think this car can last? That's right? exactly right. You know, like, and that's a question I've always asked. When do you shut it off and say, look, it's time to get rid of this thing because you're not investing any more money. And it's not worth it. Well, no, exactly. And this is what you have to explain to the customer, too, that, you know, a lot of things, if there's no symptoms, you know, so if your transmission's shifting and not leaking and not making any noise, you think you think and hope that it's going to last for another 25, 30,000 kilometers. But you really have no way of knowing that. Correct. Yeah. And same thing, you know, alternator water pump. Again, it's not like we can look inside and, and see the condition. You know, if they're working, they're not leaking. You'd you like know, them I to remember- last. I remember, and this is Crown's fault. We used to throw cars away, which had good bodies, but because they needed a motor or a transmission, it wasn't worthwhile the $5,000 that it cost to put it back on the road. We used to throw those cars away. No, again, you know what? I, I got caught myself in this where, you know, I had a van that a company was using around the corner, and it needed a motor. And, um, you know, they we never really got into a big discussion about it. I gave him a price on the job, and we went ahead and did it. And then, unfortunately, two weeks later, the transmission fell out. i got to tell yeah. you, I had a very unhappy customer. Can you imagine? Yeah, it's because the motor was strong. The transmission was <laughs> The tranny like, wasn't. You know, that's why they when they come in and says, you want to flush my transmission? It's got 200,000 kilometers. And I go, nope. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Is your crystal ball working? I, you know, we, we got a new one from Snap-on, but I'm not getting the reception I should have on it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, got another question for you. It says, what can I expect for warranty when I do a repair with an independent shop? And this comes from Dorothy in St. Catharines. Well, an independent shop really is no different than a dealership, for example. Um, you know, if you're buying quality parts from your distributors, um you know, in other words, you're not basically looking for a bargain because one thing goes hand in hand. In other words, a quality part will come with a quality warranty. Uh, in, in, in terms of that, I mean, the ministry says that you have to give a 90-day warranty on yeah, parts. Yeah, 90 days, 5,000 kilometers? Correct. And in, yeah. in most cases, it just covers the parts. It doesn't necessarily uh, cover any kind of labor, although – there are companies out there that will. So you really do have to ask these questions and find a, you know, read the fine print. So, uh, again, you know, there is a warranty on, on parts. It will be minimal. Um, but if you want more of a warranty, go for the better part and ask the question and then make sure it's written down on the work order as well because oh, you, you don't want to go back. You, exactly. You don't want to go back, you know, two years later going, I thought you told me the muffler was guaranteed forever. You know, um, if you've got so- it on paper, it will be. How do you handle a guy that brings in his own parts? You know, like, uh, you know, they bring in an alternator or a battery or whatever. They, they're bringing in their own stuff. 
Well, you know, like most garages, including myself, will say, you know what, I'd rather not do it because in- invariably you get into a, you know, a, can I say pissing match? Because, you know, the part fails, for example. Mm-hmm. And, and then, of course, the customer is thinking, well, maybe it was the way you did the job, you know. Right. And, 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 and then, and then the, the guy he's bought the part from, he's saying, how do I know that that was done properly? So in, in, in most cases, um, again, the customer has to understand if you're going to bring in your own parts, it's, you're the one who's sticking your neck out, and you can't yeah. really hold a garage afterwards. It's usually when you're buying wrecker motors or the wrecker transmission, and they're bringing it in and asking you to install it, and and uh, the thing is no good. So now you got to pull it out again, and the wrecker's going to give you a second one, and it goes over, and then it goes again. Right. So you then you ask the customer, "Tell me how much did you save at that point?" You know, because yeah. now you've paid the labor two or three times. And you have to understand that you're going to be responsible for paying that. The wrecker's not going to pay for that time. The garage is not going to eat that time. So these are things you got to consider. You know, it's sometimes, you know, like they say, Dave, cheap can be very expensive. That's exactly right. Cheap guy pays more. My father always said that. Cheap guy pays more. Okay, we'll be right back. And we'll be talking to John Carmichael from Omnic. We're back, and uh, on the phone is John Carmichael. He's the registrar or CEO of OMVIC, Ontario Motor Vehicle Industry Council. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Dave. Good to join you. Ah, thank you very much. You know, we were talking the other day about cars financing and that it's up to 84 months, and I've heard somewhere that it was even 96 months. Indeed. People are buying these cars and and don't realize what they're getting involved in. Can we talk about this? Yeah, it, it, listen, it's um, the, it's the new norm. Uh, vehicles have become so much more expensive over the years. Uh, it wasn't too many years ago where a 48-month, maybe a 60-month term mm-hmm. was was the uh, was the length of a length of time. But uh, today we're extended out, uh, actually, almost to 106 months. And the wow. idea is, so, it, yeah, it's crazy and it lowers the cost. But there's there's all kind of risk attached to that, and that's why I'm glad we have the opportunity uh, today to talk a bit about it. I guess what's allowed them to do that is, is the fact that I, I found from the repairs perspective that cars are made better, so they do last a little bit longer. But, but that's the good side of this situation. Tell us what the bad side is. Well, no, and you're absolutely right, Al. It, it's, uh, cars are better built today. They're built to last longer. But the problem we've got, is they are expensive, and if if you think you want to drive a car that you're going to finance out, uh, let's say 96 months or or longer, uh, in today's world, um, you've got to be looking at how long are you actually going to keep the car, and what is your plan annually for driving that car. So if you're buying it because you think, or you're going to finance a car that you think you're going to drive, I don't know, 20,000 kilometers a year maximum. But you end up changing jobs, your life changes, you move to a new city, and you start driving 40,000 kilometers a year, you've got a problem with the end value of that car. And that's that's where people get in trouble because it's the trade value of the vehicle that, uh, that really um, is the uh, concern when you start to look at negative equity. So when negative equity means that the car is not as valuable as the outstanding loan, so, exactly. Right. So, so if they you, take that money yeah, and they put it on the next car. 
it, and that's the problem. You, you've got a car that uh, you decide after, let's say, halfway through the term that the car is not doing what it needed to do for you, so I'm going to trade it in. And my loan might still be at, uh, let's say, $30,000, uh, but the car is only worth $20,000. What do you do? Well, you've got to finance that $10,000 or pay cash for it. And typically, people will take that $10,000 and add it on to the next contract for the next car. And that puts them what, what we what in the industry, they say, is upside down in terms of your financing. Now, of course, where that could be the problem is, is you know, they're not even aware of it in a lot of cases, but certainly in a situation where, Buddy gets in a car accident, car's written off. Um, that's when the red lights start to flash, eh? Well, that's a big problem, and uh, there are products on the market. When you when you buy or lease a car today, uh, and uh, let's obviously we're going to talk about financing, but if you're financing over a longer term, and uh, and you want to take some of the risk out of the transaction, there's products called gap insurance, which in the event of an accident. Uh, which you can't forecast; it happens, and uh, and the and the damage on the car is it writes the car off, but the loan is uh, the loan is a problem. How do I get that money if the car is in fact worth less than uh, at that time than what the loan is? Gap insurance will help you. That's one way of mitigating your your risk. But the other uh, the other issue is um, you know it, it's it's just a tough tough uh, situation to be trading cars and adding that extra value onto the next car because there is a day of reckoning where you have to deal with that uh, that extra amount of money. You know, actually, the, the, what's happening is they're spending money they haven't earned yet rather than spending money that they earned. Good point. That's exactly right. And Just to clarify, John, so that, that gap insurance, aside from paying the money that, you know, the, the less value that your car has – this will pay the additional monies that you owed from the last car as well? Uh, I believe it does, yes. It, it, uh, you have a contracted amount, mm-hmm. and the gap insurance uh, kicks in to, uh, to pay for the, uh, the deficiency. Now, do most dealers sell that, or is that something you have to find on your own? Well, I think like anything, Alan, in this, uh, in this um, type of shopping, you've got you've to be um, – really creative in doing all of your shopping and being fully informed. I'm going to suggest to you that not everybody carries gap insurance. Uh, it may be a, a more normal product than, uh, than, than we're used to, but um, uh, you've got to ask the questions and, and informing yourself on how to protect myself. Do I read the whole contract? Do, is the contract accurate? Is my credit worthiness accurate? Uh, you've got to do your homework and make sure that, the documents you're submitting, the, the products you're buying are what you need uh, to protect your investment in that car. Is, John, is, is the fact that they can get financing for for eight years make them buy a car that they that's more car than they actually need, like buy a more expensive product than they actually say, need because of the payments? Yeah, I would say typically because it lowers the payment. And you've got a car that looks fancy, it's nice, it, it's, it's newer perhaps, it's got more bells and whistles. But do I really need them? And it, it all comes back to my lifestyle. How far am I going to drive that car in a year? Uh, when am I going to be looking to trade it? If, if I buy an eight-year 
contract and after five years i'm tired of the car there's there's a there's a uh, an issue there as far as the value and mm-hmm. our concern is always that um you you understand exactly what you're getting into uh, when it comes time to trade that vehicle and be very careful interesting now how are, how are the dealers doing is the market coming back after uh, they're opening up again well a great question david um we have uh, only been in we've only seen uh, business back to some semblance of full open uh since monday so we we um we're hearing good stories. People are, are seeing customers. It, now, they've been doing it by appointment only for a week or two prior, so they were starting to see some business generated. But I think that uh, the word I'm hearing on the street is that uh, dealers are seeing more customers. They're anxious to get in there, get their transaction done, and, and take delivery of that newer used vehicle. Yeah, because I heard something like fifty or 60,000 lease cars per month are coming back between the, inc- the next three months. Isn't that an incredible number? And that's been sitting in abeyance waiting for those dealerships to reopen so the finance companies can uh, can yeah. get their business done. So there should be a good recovery on the horizon. Uh, my worry is consumer confidence. Are consumers going to be comfortable stepping up and making a commitment when uh, you think of the hundreds of thousands of people that were laid off through this period, and many still are, mm-hmm. um, is there uh, is there a uh, comfort level that I I'm going to go and make that spend on a new car or a used car, and I'm not even certain that I'm going to have my job. So that's where the worry is right now. People have to have confidence that they're going to be working. How do people get in touch with Omvic? Uh, you can call us. Um, we are at four one six two two six forty five hundred or omvic.ca. And I got to tell you, you've got a great website. There's so much information on there. Uh, no matter what question you have, you probably have an answer on the website. Well, there is, and you know what? The, we didn't talk about the Omvic Academy, but there's some great videos that are lots of fun for consumers to go and learn about issues such as negative equity and uh, all-in pricing and some of the other issues that they're going to run into when they go shopping. Take, take a minute and go visit the website, omvic.ca. Have a look at the Omvic Academy. And uh, enjoy yourself. Thank you so much for taking time. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. Okay. John Carmichael is the registrar for OMVIC. It's OMVIC.ca if you want more information. And we'll be right back right after this. All right. My name's Alan Gelman. I'm here with David Redinger. Between the two of us, we've got a gajillion years of automotive experience. And, of course, because we're... <laughs> Working under the COVID situation, we're listening and answering your emails rather than your phone calls. So, Dave, you got a next question for us? Yep. We have an email from Fiona in Toronto, and she's talking about an aftermarket warranty. She was, was out buying cars, and they were offering her warranties from an, a warranty company. And she's asking, what was your experience with an aftermarket warranty company? And I have to tell you, my experience was, was very negative. Um, so you're saying that, uh, you know, customer brought in a car and they had some kind of aftermarket warranty. Um, where did they fail? Where did they fall down? Well, first off, they, they, they don't pay for the entire repair the way it should be done. Mm-hmm. And that was an issue I had. We had a, a vehicle come in with a burnt piston and instead of overhauling the entire engine, they would just pay for the one piston. And I, I got my back up on that. 
And then we had a, a car with a noisy rear end, and they blamed the driver, and they rejected the warranty and gave him back the money for the warranty and said, here you go, here's your $150, and have a nice day. I didn't, you know, I, it's funny because someone came into me years ago and he had an aftermarket warranty and it was called the Platinum 2000 policy, which I didn't really realize what that was until I spoke to the warranty company and said, that means the fix can't be more than two grand. Uh, I said, ah. yeah, but, but the guy needs a motor for his car and, you know, it's going to be four grand. He says, well, that's tough, you know. So, yeah, I, I, I've seen a lot of static. Um, almost, you know, very rarely are, is, is it a happy fix, okay? People assume that the aftermarket warranty is just a continuation of their new car factory warranty, you know, where there's not a whole lot of questions asked, the, the whole bill gets paid for. Yeah. That's not the case. It's always an adversarial kind of thing, eh? You know, you're always fighting with them. They want to know how it happened. And there's a million reasons for them not paying. Was well, this the car in an accident? Yeah, go ahead. Is, is that they're demanding, first off, you have to give back paperwork immediately. Then you've got to do oil changes on a regular basis and prove it. Mm-hmm. So you do have to maintain it. So I'm going to say that an aftermarket warranty, if you're buying it from a manufacturer like a, a, a Honda or a Chrysler or whatever, that's the one you should be buying. Right, where it's an extension of the factory warranty yeah. rather than you know Joe Blow's warranty company. And they're not cheap. Some of them are fifteen hundred dollars, two thousand dollars. These policies. Well, listen, and that's 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 the other side of it. You know, you you could, if you were concerned about it, put that money in the bank and just sit on it. You know, and then mm-hmm. if something happens down the road, you've got that money. Exactly, but people don't do that. Nobody ever budgets for car repairs. You ever notice that? It's always, uh, gee, I didn't have the money. Yeah, it's not a fun purchase. There's no question about it's it. It's a Way, clutch purchase. Exactly. Way better to go. Go to, go to the mall on, well, when this is not happening and yeah. find yourself a, a new outfit, new shoes, you know. But but to pay for a car repair, oh, my God. What, what am I going to get out of it? I think maybe that's our fault because shops should be saying and educating the consumer that you've got to maintain the product. I mean, it's it's not no maintenance. It's low maintenance. But it's how many they, done. Yeah, but you know what? I, what I found, too, is from the past is that people thought that if you buy a better car – you won't have to fix it as often. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you know what? In a lot of cases, this is why leasing is becoming more popular nowadays because, you know, I'm only going to keep it for a few years. When the problems start happening, I'm just going to get rid of it. So and from that. that perspective, it's not a crazy thing, eh? No, I think my, my kids think like that. They, they buy transportation. They don't care to really own it. They just want something to jump in and go. And, exactly. then, and then hand it back and get another one. And, that, and that's that's their philosophy. It's not an investment. Cars allows lousy investment. Anyways. Okay, we have another email. And it says, uh, do you supply written estimates as a shop? And how much of the estimate can you vary? In other words, can you stray from the estimate? And that's from Joseph in Brampton. I think, you know, conversation is really the best or communication. Um, You should understand that when you come into the shop, in most cases, there's a little box that they may ask you to check on the invoice or on the worksheet that says whether you want an estimate or not. Um, You are entitled to an estimate, certainly. But I think this is something that you have to discuss with the shop because, you know, it's not like in the the days where, you know, you, you had a prang in the parking lot and you went to the body shop and in 15 minutes they wrote you an estimate for how much it cost to change the door or bang it out and paint it. Um, 
when we're talking about you know uh, very you know cars nowadays that are very complicated, they have all kinds of electronics. You may have an issue that's an intermittent thing that could take conceivably a couple of hours just to get to the bottom of. And 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 the shop has you know we we have lots of experience. Uh, we've gone for schooling. We have expensive diagnostic machines. That stuff costs money. We cannot afford to give free estimates. So, you know, again, you've got to discuss this with the, with the shop owner to find out when you bring it in. But are you entitled to an estimate? Sure. Um, is it free? you got to ask because it may not be. So, in other words, so what would an estimate cost, like uh, an hour or two? Is that basically fair? Well, again, you know, it, it, you know for each thing, there's, there are different diagnostic times. So, for example, you know, if someone comes in and they said, you know, my battery seems to be going dead, can you check it out? Well, that's what we call an AVR test, right? right? So that's where you check the alternator, the battery, the charging system. So for the most part, you know, that can be almost a half hour diagnostic right there. So expect that you're going to have to pay 40 to $50 just for that. But on the other side of the coin, you know, if you go to the shop and you say, you know, my car is shaking on the highway when I get to a certain speed, you know, you're probably talking wheel balance. And in a case like that, you know, there's not going to be a, uh, a secondary charge other than the wheel balancing. Exactly. Okay. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with some more questions. And uh, John, We're going to have John Bondar. Yeah, from the Shannonville Motorsport Park is going to come talk to us. Oh, and, oh, and make sure that extended warranty company doesn't find out that you're racing. Otherwise, they're, <laughs> they're ripping up that contract. It's so true. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. All right, you know, people have been racing around the highways because of COVID, but there's a way better idea. This, you know, it's going to be way safer and you won't get a big ticket. We've got us on the line right now. We've got John Bondar, who's the owner of Shannonville, Shannonville Motorsport Park, which is about two hours from Toronto, but well worth the drive. John, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. John, you know, the track started in 74, so it's got quite a history. It does, uh, built by uh, uh, John Nelson, and uh, so to this day, we ha- our, our uh, small track here is called the Nelson Track, and uh, we have a nice um, you know memorial here, uh, respecting John and all the work that he did in the early days, and um, yeah, we're proud that uh, now we've got it. We've got to do you know, they say a racetrack needs like three or four owners before it finally gets developed. And I think uh, it's really a nice tr- a, a track that you have now. You've got all kinds of different venues there. Yeah, well, we can, uh, we've can. we got a two-and-a-half-mile track. We've got a quarter-mile drag strip. We've got a monster skid pad, which uh, is, um, is home to a tractor-trailer skid school, which is quite Whoa. something to see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so during the pandemic now you're, you're planning to open up shortly yes so last week the ontario government uh, included us included uh the, the the motorsport industry on their list of uh people that could open so um we've been uh, in fact we could have opened two days ago but we're just taking it easy we're taking another two weeks and getting ready for june 1st and what we're going to do is just, um, you know, we're trying to put all the precautions in place, all the COVID precautions, and we're just doing some spring uh, cleanup and maintenance and get ready for our customers. 
So what kind of protocols would you do? Like NASCAR is running without any audience. Yeah, so we're the, the approach we're taking is, is actually we're not racing. You know, we're going to be doing testing and practicing for really the first month. Um, we need to, we're just, you know, we, we have a, a rabid audience. They want to get on the track and like, like you say, get away from the highway. Um, they want to test their machines and get up to speed. And so we're going to help to facilitate that, but we're going to do it in small groups where this is, it's not, not a free for all. We're just going to step it through. So John, it's quite organized. I mean, it's not a case of like you say, you're letting 10 or 15 people on the track at once. Um, you know, basically, Buddy's going to go out by himself. Is that it, or do you do you put someone else out with him, so to speak, to monitor, perhaps? Yeah. So we're we're going to be able to put maybe twenty, maybe maximum thirty people, um, let's say, on the property, and then we'll let about twenty go out at a time. You know, we've twenty got, at a time, really. Yeah, we've got two and a half miles of track. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you did. If you measured the average length of a car and then maybe did some social distancing and added, I did the math. We could put 2,100 cars on our track. <laughs> but no, we're not going to. We're going to put 20. So there's lots of spacing. It sounds like the Don Valley Parkway in, our, in Russia. Yeah, exactly. Right? We'll let I the Don Valley stay in Toronto. <laughs> I remember the track because in 77, we were involved with the Honda Michelin Series. And yep. uh, that series ran, what, 18 years? Oh, ran almost forever. Right? Ralph Lucio was looking after it. Yep. And you're doing the Touring Car Series. Yes, we are. So we uh, we own the Canadian Touring Car Championship, and uh, we're busy trying to put a schedule together for this year. We've, you know, we've lost a few dates, but there's uh, we actually had a, a video call last night with all of our teams, and there's still a lot of enthusiasm to get out on the track and, they understand that you know it's a different world it's a new normal so we're just taking some some baby steps to get get ready for the season and we hope to get about half the season in so you can save half the season perfect yeah now are the other tracks are open too like uh are cayuga or or the ones in ottawa in the area well they're 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 allowed to be technically tuesday was our day and i think some opened right away and others are just taking it a little little easy like me uh, I know a local uh, at Brighton is opening on Saturday to do some testing. Which is stock So, Yes. Right. So, um, you know, we're all, we're all just taking a, you know, a cautious approach. Fascinating. So how do people get information for Shannonville? Shannonville.com and Facebook, uh, Shannonville uh, Motorsport Park. You've got a great website. It shows the history of the track. It shows the what's going on. I really like the website. I was went through it this morning. Thank you. I uh, appreciate that. You're so welcome. Shannonville.com, is that that's the right? That's the correct one. Perfect. John, thank you so much for taking time. Thanks, guys. Talk to okay. you again. Talk to Take you. care. Drive Bye. safe, my friend. All right. Okay. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back, and uh, it's time to say goodbye. But before we go, a quick reminder to go to davescornergarage.com. We have a contest for giving away $200 worth of groceries, and we have two more winners to select for this month, so make sure you do that. Al, I got one last question for you. 
Go ahead. Uh, it's a quick email from a young fellow. Do you take pictures of your repairs? Like, in other words, if you've got to call the guy up and say, look, we need to do this and this, do you actually take pictures of the job? Dave, a picture is worth a thousand words. Absolutely. You know, and people really like it because, you know, I, I can explain with, with a million words or less what a CV yeah. boot is. But way easier to take a picture of it, show the guy, say, this is your car. Here's the bad one. Now, here's the second picture, which is the picture of the good one. So you can compare. So you have a good idea of what I'm talking about. So you take a picture, you send it, and then you call a guy and say, see the bad part? This is what it's going to cost to yeah. fix and why you need it. And, you know, the other thing is they, they, the law requires you to write down on the work order that you talk to them at what time and, and that you got an authorization. Well, exactly. And this makes it clear. This is where, again, you know, uh, having that communication is, is so easy now. Everybody's got a phone. Mechanics got a phone. The, yes. the, the service writers got a phone. The customers got a phone. Take a picture. Send it. No problem at all. I love it. So it was a great show. Uh, interesting stuff about uh, negative equity. You can really get in trouble. Can you mm -hmm. imagine you got a $30,000 loan and, and your car gets banged up and you're in deep, deep trouble? And they only give you ten grand. And you go, who pays yeah. the rest? You yeah. do, my friend. Yeah. So they're buying payments instead of buying cars, or they're buying think, cars they can't afford. And if you got the itch to race, uh, don't do it on a road called John Bondar up at Shannonville Motorsport Park. We uh, actually do that. We go. It's called lapping. We actually mm -hmm. go out onto the track uh, and we race around the track. We actually do it in Cayuga. And I have an old uh, Crossfire, which we built into a race car. And uh -huh. we just go out for the afternoon and just be silly buggers. <laughs> Being silly, after my baseball games, we used to go lapping, but it was a little different. Oh, I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> Our code name was the ballet. We're going to the ballet after. All right, we got to run, Dave. Yeah, we do. And I wish to say, you just want to wish Trevor a great day. And... Uh, that's it. So if you want to uh, get on the show with your questions, please email us. Just go to davescornergarage.com. There is a button there for questions, and you can fill it out, and we'll answer your question on air. Uh, Al, thank you for taking time. It was a great show. And no ladies and gentlemen, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Who cares about the clouds and where together? Just sing a song and bring the sunny weather. Happy trails. This has been an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740.